0: It's I see dead people. Awesome. Here's Johnny! Stop. We have such sights to show you. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Fuck you two! Hi
1: mate, or Jonah. or... How's it going?
2: see i'm gonna isolate that and that'll be that'll be the intro (laughs) hi hi (laughs) mate i like that no uh this this is this is really quite quite a milestone for me and i hope i hope you take that as personally as i mean it to be because i think you are probably the third fan we've had on the show who i found out uh, they were listening to the show and then I said okay like like by talking about the show in chat so many times and talking you know more personally um I said I gotta get this person on this show at some point yeah and yeah, hell yeah. you the the fun fact about you is that you and I are speaking from the other sides of the planet <laughs> Very
0: exciting.
1: to introduce finally
2: to introduce you of course i have taurus filth here with me who has been listening to the podcast for years and has re-listened to it Many times, who has also submitted so many pictures <laughs> posting <laughs> our merch all over the beautiful country of New Zealand in fun places. Um, you you have you have purchased shirts with single people's faces on them.
1: <laughs> yes. And uh,
2: of- <laughs> who do you who do you own?
1: Uh, okay, at the moment I have a frowns mug. Uh where am I hoodie?
2: Um, <laughs> He's gonna appreciate that. <laughs>
1: um, oh my God, what else did I buy? A uh, lots of pasta zip bag. Like a little drago bag. Oh yeah, you
2: keep your you keep your bowl in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: That's oh what its gosh. perfect use is for, everyone. Advertise. Buy buy yeah. our little zip bags and put your pieces in there. The yeah, couch will exactly. never find them.
1: <laughs> um, shit, what else did I buy? I've got a
2: You buy a fuck ton of stickers. I think you've bought a single sticker for like every person.
1: I think just about every person and um, I've got both Captain Death t-shirts, Christmas, Kill Me. That's right. Yeah. I love that Christmas. Yeah. And um, I'm actually hoping eventually you'll do like pants or leggings or a skirt or something and then everything can just be lots of pasta. And oh I can just shit! A whole watcher of lots of pasta.
2: That that option is absolutely available to you on that <laughs> website, and I haven't I haven't heard any demand for it. But now that I hear it, I can probably make that happen. So nah. I can I can deck you out completely. You are our super fan. Let's let's just start by calling <laughs> you. Let's start by calling you that because you've easily spent the most merch. And I imagine shipping shipping that isn't too bad Because Redbubble is a primarily Australian-based company I've been working for them since 2007 I've been posting stuff on their website
0: Yeah Under different yeah.
2: aliases I, I used to sell t-shirts I used to make t-shirts for different uh, T-A-Day sites And I've sold them under a different pseudonym um, I, never, I never use my real name unless I want people to look at me
1: Yeah
2: I don't want people to look at me in these scenarios. (laughs) Just look at my art and then pay for it. Um, Listen to my podcast. (laughs) Give me attention.
1: Exactly. Validate Um, me. (laughs) Um, I also noticed that you put up a three-ply face mask as well. And I was gutted because I saw that after I ordered other face masks in preparation to come over. Like, I got this amazing Nicolas Cage from Con (laughs)
2: <laughs> put the but, kitty down <laughs>
1: but now that I see that um, yeah you've even got a lot to pass mask I'm
2: like sweet well I, I saw the bandwagon I literally got an email from Redbubble one day and it was like it was like oh put your design on a mask and I was like how kitschy and stupid I'm never <laughs> gonna do that and then you know the pandemic continued for more than two weeks mm-hmm. and I like I changed my mind pretty quickly and I said you know what it would be pretty cool to put it on one of those just in case anyone did want one um and and I know the quality is good because like I said I've been working with them for just about 15 years and uh I've never I've never been disappointed I I know that they're like a DTG site which only graphic designer and editors will understand what that means but it essentially means one printer prints all colors and it just gotcha. kind of lays down everything all at once on, like, a, uh, a soft enamel over fabric. And I think that's why the quality is so good, though. Most people would argue that DTG is, like, cheap and fake-feeling. And I do know that if you wash them too many times, or if you wash them a certain way, it does start to wear a little bit. Um, but... I like the way that looks, a kind of washed-out look, a kind of vintagey look, so I don't really give a fuck, and uh, screen printers are the last people who deserve to be hipsters about their industry, so I say,
1: <laughs> fuck them! Yeah,
2: and, the, the um, amount of
1: bogans and punks I know who are in the screening screen printing industry, oh my goodness. But yeah, no, they're they're good quality, man. I've slept in them. I've pushed my car out of mud in in your merch. Um, I've been caught in the hail. I take it to work. It's got bleach on it. It's already on the way to be like
2: they you know. they have seen a lot of use. That is so. That is honestly the best news I could hear uh, when it comes to the merch because the only thing I see. Is where am I wearing his own face? And then the <laughs> other day I showed up and I saw Mr. Skellybones wearing his own face, and I was just Shared. like, "God damn it! Is this gonna be the trend? Like everyone yes. just buys their own shit?" Oh <laughs> um, <Hell> yes. <laughs> I'm I'm okay with it. At the end of the day, at least that's a little bit of support.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. And I always I, carry I the love stickers drawing around people too. Oh, that's yes, awesome. I love it. Yeah, um, I feel like the quality... I don't know if I'm tripping or not, but when I recently jumped onto the merch store on Redbubble, um, uh, lots of pasta merch on redbubble.com. I'll it <laughs> right um, Yeah, I'll have the stickers on me, and when I get real drunk or whatever, if I happen to be social, then I'm just like, here, pick a sticker, and I'll put out all the lots of pasta stickers, and, you know, people have taken and... A cannibal siren, and a koi Hawaiian, Hawaiian, and a Tinron and
0: that's a disc- hilarious. Disc-
1: even Dracula, disc- and yeah,
2: you you are you are spreading the lots of pasta words like a creepy Jehovah's Witness in yes. the streets of New Zealand. That yes. is so. That is honestly so great to hear. Like, not only not only are you a, a wonderful fan and a, and a beautiful person, but you are also just supporting us in literally every way possible. And I could not be any more grateful for yeah. for everything that you do. I love I love the pictures you send whenever you post something somewhere. Like, guys, we have a sticker like outside the filming location for frighteners in New Zealand that Peter Jackson <laughs> made like in the 80s like like there's I think there's a sticker of me like right outside of that house somewhere yeah on Holloway
1: Road yeah that is word.
2: fucking awesome i watched that movie when i was 10 yeah <laughs> that is so fucking cool but yeah. it it also goes to say that like That is the power of a podcast, I think, you know, not to sound sappy or romantic, I think there is, there is something beautiful that almost reminds me of like the entire message of Spaceship Earth in Walt Disney World, which is the idea of like communication and the spreading of information. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm being heard for like the first time in my life when it, when it comes to someone I do not know in real life. We have not talked on the phone or in person until this exact moment, Yeah. but we have, we have shared many messages. We've shared many pictures. We've talked a lot over the last three or four years about the podcast and about what we like and what we do with our lives and what we're interested in. And being able to have you on the show is literally a fucking milestone. You, Fuckin a. you came out of nowhere, came out of the fucking void, and you were just <laughs> like, "What up? Love your shit." And you've always been high key excited as fuck <laughs> about everything that we do, and and that means the world to me. And I feel like that is that is what sh- that is the power. Of what a podcast is capable of doing, bringing people together, despite space and time itself.
0: Fucking we are eight. talking
2: from what is what is an eight hour time difference between you and me?
1: Something like that. What time? Yeah. Eight, eight what hours time in a it? day. Uh, it's just about gone noon, which means it's what? 8pm for you, but the day before.
2: So exactly. On, on Sunday, so, so yeah. what? What day? What day is it for you? The what calendar? Sunday
1: high noon. It yeah, but the like the
2: the, the third the third or the fourth or oh, the fifth? fourth. Fourth. Oh, so you are a day ahead. Yes, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. so you're celebrating America's birthday right now. Obviously. And oh my god! that's <laughs> right.
0: Holy shit! <laughs> I had to
2: subjugate you i i'm very happy that you let me subjugate you for just a minute because it was all uh it was all done condescendingly towards my own country (laughs) Um, yeah uh, america's birthday the fourth of july that's that's fucking awesome for me it's the night of the third and it is 8 p.m and i'm you know i'm having having a nice drink Nice. Having a nice uh having a nice bong rip. I was doing that while we were talking <laughs> earlier, but I'm only gonna mention it. I'm only gonna mention it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got my Oh man, it's
2: beautiful. I've got
1: my multiple vapes and my mushrooms looking at me on hand if needed. I yeah, listen to, to
2: this folks. She she <laughs> thought it was necessary. She was nervous, she says, and she she took a couple caps before she even got on the call. So yeah. she's she's uh Wild and in the deep.
1: Oh yeah, I'm rolling in the gold top deep. That's the one.
2: Can can we talk about where you're recording from? Because that's that's also important, Taurus.
1: <laughs> Kia ora cunts. I am coming to you from New Zealand and Wellington, the capital. Um, hailing in the top Wellington uh, rated brothel <laughs> called Paradise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> paradise, paradise. Yeah. All right. So, um, what people what people don't know about Taurus Filth is that um, you identify. What, what's your pronoun? Well, I don't know. She.
1: That doesn't, she,
0: that doesn't they. matter.
2: That doesn't matter doesn't over matter? there because let me tell you, everyone fucking cares about it over here for some reason. So, <laughs> Taurus Filth. Is recording from outside a brothel because she claims it has the best Wi-Fi in the area. Which, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm all on board with that exact <laughs> fact. And uh, Taurus, you've you've invited me to come <laughs> to come over to the brothel if oh I'm my ever God, in New for Zealand. For real,
1: like um, when we me <laughs> finish. Well, first well started Taurus, talking, you used to
2: work. You used to work there. That is the start of the I, story.
1: I am. I have and always have been for the last decade, or just over a decade, been the cleaner for the brothel and the masseuse for the girls only. I uh, Because I've been a massage therapist since I was a kid, well, not really, but, you know, it's in my family, so it's a cultural thing, I cannot associate sexual stuff with massage. It's just with, too With much. your job. Yeah, I, so... I, I, I love... I, I,
2: <laughs> I love the professionalism of it, and if there's anyone who needs a fucking rub down for what they're going through, I can, I can only appreciate that more. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the ability, the peace you are probably able to bring so many.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I love Pennsylvania because I think it is um, organically one of the creepiest states in the country exactly <laughs> and i laugh i laugh when i say that because most of it isn't even real <laughs> you know it's it's we're <laughs> we're kind of the creepy pasta of all of the states and that's exactly. because the actual shit was going on down south the actual shit was going on in Massachusetts the actual shit was going on in in the west mm. you know like like name name a Pennsylvania serial killer like
1: ah oh, yeah fuck i can't think of anyone can, right now but i know that can you like i know there's
2: something somewhere we can definitely think about it but but we aren't actually a creepy state. We we just made it creepy. And I and I love that about it because George Romero filmed Night of the Living Dead here. He fucking lived here. He he filmed uh Dawn of the Dead here. The yes. the motherfucker was a Pittsburgh native and yes. he he wanted to film here. He filmed all over the fucking state. And and that is the zombie origin of the country now i i know the witches are rocking over there in salem i have yet to be over there um it is on my bucket list just like new zealand is on my bucket list (laughs) um and i am i have no doubt i will be in both of those places somewhere in at least the next 10 years and uh we it doesn't even stop there though like the witches have salem but that's that's all that's going on in salem salem isn't actually a very spooky area it's just known for a lot of spooky shit like mm. the scariest thing we have in pennsylvania is like gettysburg which is like mm. definitely a big fucking deal uh historically speaking with the wars that went on there the mm. the ghosts the ghosts of the civil wars essentially but but uh, it, it's more about what gets done here and what comes out of here because I believe even uh, special effects artist uh, Greg Nicotero is from Pennsylvania and he's worked on anything from Walking Dead to Creep Show. Like under he worked under Tom Savini, and Savini of course started in in I believe either Pennsylvania or New Jersey because he was working on Friday the Thirteenth, Creep Show, like anything. Uh, George Romero ended up doing later. Right. Um, the yeah. Blob. The Blob yes. was filmed here.
1: <laughs> yes. uh,
2: both both fifty five and I believe eighty eight.
1: Oh my um, gosh. Cool.
2: And that theater is only an hour away from where I live and I've Fuck actually yes. been in there and I've watched a production of Rocky Horror Picture Show in there, and it's just, it's fucking gnarly knowing, um, the history of, of where you're at and what's going on. And, and like I mentioned earlier, we are only, I believe, like a two hour drive from where all the Friday the 13th movies were filmed, um, over, over in New Jersey. Um, and then the last fun fact I can think of when it comes to our beloved state is we're also the home to, um, M. Night Shyamalan and he loves to film in the rural uh, and, and different area districts of Philadelphia nice. He he's a, he's a Philly native and you could hear even references to, to my alma mater where I went to college Temple University um being mentioned in his literal movies like the one kid even talks about it in unbreakable um he he filmed a lot of his best stuff in this area and by yeah. that i mean unbreakable sixth sense village wow. uh, signs
0: yeah, yeah, and
2: and and I I got to meet him at a con once. I got to talk to him for a little bit. And this was this was all well before he did um glass or or split, I think. And yeah. um and after he had taken a dive in the industry for for so many fucking years, um and and he's just such a humble guy. He, he's yeah. so he's so down to earth and so nice to talk to it's just why the why the fuck did you make the last airbender
0: <laughs> I know, oh you know that's God. really that's really
2: all it comes down to it's like <laughs> it's like i love him and i love everything he's done um minus a couple things and then the, the top of that list is i hate you for making the last airbender yeah. <laughs> um i love you I love you for I don't know Lady in the Water, Signs, Sixth Sense, you know everything I mentioned before. Yeah. Um, but I but I hate you because of the Last Airbender, and I think yeah. that's the worst thing he's ever done. Um, <laughs> I wasn't a fan of the visit. I know a lot of people called that like a return to form for him, but I wasn't I wasn't on board with that. Um, no, I
0: The, wasn't the last either.
2: act is good. It just, it never, it never quite went as far as I wanted it to. And that's, that's probably a, a product of my time because I wanted it to be more like funny games. Like I wanted, I wanted them to like fucking kill these kids and I knew that wasn't <laughs> going to happen. So it was just, it was like, ah, no, no, the, you know, the, the annoying little brother character isn't going to go missing. This is, this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie, not a fucking, you know, art house horror.
0: Yeah. Um.
2: You're over there in New Zealand, and you have uh, the home of a bunch of my favorite horror movies, and I would say favorite movies in general, because all the Lord of the Rings movies were also filmed over there, and those movies are fucking legendary.
0: Oh my
1: gosh, yes. So uh, What's your
2: connection to, to to what your, your country has done for the film industry?
1: Uh, not too much. So I used to live in Miramar, which is where two of the big wetter studios are so um the stinky little flat I was in um was near one where they had to do a lot of big live action scenes so I think it was oh my gosh maybe when they were filming something for the second or the third one and until from oh gods, maybe from like 9 p.m until 2 a.m was take after take after take of warriors screaming <laughs> and cheering. That
2: is fucking <laughs> awesome.
1: And so, like, we just like kept away because we are literally just like a few meters away and just hearing all these people going, "Yeah!" <laughs> it's like, oh my god, yes, we get it, fuck.
2: <laughs> I can imagine um, how annoying that is, but. It also sounds really exciting.
1: <laughs> it was, it was. But yeah, it's, it's just... I don't know. Um, and the whole area became a lot more expensive because Peter Jackson fixed up the road so that all his people could get to work properly. But in saying that, there was one time where um, someone was running late and smashed into the back of a bus while the driver was out there. And
0: Fuck. Yeah.
1: yeah, so just kind of like watching all the... Mm, the th- the reactions from having things being filmed in that whole area and real estate going up and all that jazz. Um I used right, to massage okay. I used to massage a dude who was like the props manager or warehouse manager, uh, for Weta. And um yeah, so wow. when I'd go and give him and his missus a massage, I'd get to hear all about the cool stuff he saw and uh, one of Peter Jackson's big warehouses when he needed things for, like, um, a local festival or another movie coming up. And, yeah, he's, this guy is pretty much breaking his back trying to meet the demands of Peter Jackson and move all these fucking heavy set things around and um, hearing all the drama and gossip of all these other international executive producers being coked out and...
0: <laughs> people that's getting so fired and
1: oh my god and like people deciding they needed this thing for um oh my god what movie was it the Japanese oh the anime one hang on a second was it Akira no Ghost in the Shell Ghost, Ghost in the Shell, in all shell all the dramas yes dramas that, cause that was filmed um, a few meters behind me in the city um that's fucking cool and, yeah <laughs> um yeah so i've always just kind of been on the outskirts i almost auditioned for one of the avatar movies but life happened and yeah so it's just oh my god kind you,
2: of been there. you totally could have done it
1: <laughs> yeah i know but life took me a different way unfortunately i, I love acting oh, it happens. um but i haven't done it in a while Y- you'll fit in me.
2: with us that's 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 all of our backgrounds we've all acted at some point in something
1: yeah.
2: I've been a huge fan of Peter Jackson ever since I was a kid obviously when I started talking about frighteners earlier mm. um i I would consider that a movie not a lot of people saw um but it was near like the decline of uh, fox's uh Michael J fox's acting career kind of kind of when he was you know g- given up a little bit. Uh, because of Parkinson's, but um, I remember going back and watching Bad Taste when I was uh, a teenager and really enjoying it. Um, a buddy of mine in 2000, and I think like 12. Told me about Meet the Feebles, which has stuck in my mind <laughs> yeah. for all time and space because I've never seen puppets do anything what they do in that movie.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, you just reminded me. I went to a I went to a wedding where bad taste was phoned. <laughs> that
2: was oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Fun facts. Um, like I said, Frighteners, Lord of the Rings, everything he's known for, King Kong, Hobbit. Like, I'm I'm a fan of all of it. I I I have not disliked anything he's done. Uh, dead Alive will is one of the quotable, or Brain Dead as as it might be called over there. Uh, yeah, l- literally one of the most fun horror movies ever made.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember driving past one of his earlier houses back in the '90s, and yeah, Peter Jackson's always been a staple, and he's uh, currently a big voice in trying to help um, an area, uh, a suburb in the area, to not be uh, gentrified. We want, to, we want, we oh, all good. want to keep it, yeah. keep it the way that we know it, and preserve as much uh, of our land as possible.
2: Oh, he's all about preservation. I, I yeah. believe one of, one of his most recent uh, c- contributions to the world, I'll say, is he re-edited footage from World War II.
1: Yes, he loves all his war stuff. Oh, my God, that's the other stuff I hear all about in his, uh, in his hut. Warehouses, all the war memorabilia stuff he's got. And he brings them out whenever there's, like, an Anzac Day parade. Oh, wait. Anzac is our... Memorial Day, kind of. It's recognising hmm. our soldiers who fought in World War One. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's got a ton of that stuff that he'll, like, loan out for parades and whatnot.
2: So so you're, you're, you would say your stance and your country's stance is we love Peter Jackson.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just, just kind of, I don't know, there's this weird New Zealand thing of, like, the younger ones are obviously, you know... When we had the um, the red carpet for the first Lord of the Rings, everyone was all about it. Um, there's always the oldie goldies that will, like, have something to say negative about Peter Jackson, but he's actually done a lot for our country, and, um, yeah, and it's kind of laid the groundwork for other people to shine through, like Flight of the Concords and...
2: Fucking love Jermaine Clement.
1: Yeah and, um, yeah, and even what we do in The Shadows, the movie, that was all right, filmed.
2: Right, and Taika. We didn't talk yeah. about Taika either. Yeah, Fucking love yeah. Taika.
1: Yeah, so that was all filmed in Wellington, so that's really, like, it's... Always cute to see, you know, that movie, and then you're like, ah, I walked there. That's where paradise I, is. And <laughs> I love
2: that show. I love that movie. Yeah.
1: Every
2: everything I've actually seen everything has done, and I I love that he he became what he is today. That he got popular, you know, because right. even with something as simple as Boy, you're just like. Wow, this guy has such a flair, and then and then you see his acting in a movie like that as well.
1: Exactly. And you're just
2: and you're just like, wow, this guy is fucking talented.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, our funding for um Pacifica slash, uh, Maori, media is is isn't actually that bad. Like you know we've got the radio stations and uh, there's a whole Maori channel and there is some give to allow um more indigenous people uh to be able to create um yeah so hopefully we definitely see more of that cuz fuck they're funny
2: <laughs> yes yes they really are and I, I i hope this isn't too too touristy of a conversation for you no, just because you're literally the first person from new zealand i've ever spoken to um <laughs> I feel like I have to get it all out of the way before we can just have a normal conversation about shit. Yeah, yeah,
0: um,
2: I I I love the sense of humor, the levity, um, your your country kind of exudes. Um, I I think that's part of the appeal of my wanting to go over there, on top of the fanboy aspect of going over there and just seeing everything. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, I, lo- I just like looking at like vistas you know landscapes and I just know that New Zealand has some beautiful fucking like mountains and and oh my
1: god yes. valleys yeah wilderness I, when I lost my shit I like left the city and went out to the Watts and It's like full-on tiny dirt roads, almost crashing into oncoming cars if you're not paying attention. But once you hit a peak and it's like either the sun's setting or the sun's just rising, holy shit, like, it's Jurassic Park times a thousand. It's (laughs) so beautiful. Like, where the fuck are the dinosaurs? Like, this is amazing.
2: Yeah, and and knowing that that was filmed in like Costa Rica and Hawaii, <laughs> uh, both of, yeah. both of those places are on my on my bucket lists too. My my mother has been to both locations and taken pictures at both of those places and been like, "Hey, does this look familiar?" And it's like literally one of the trees from Jurassic Park that is still there, ah, and you're just cool. like, oh, "God damn it! I know exactly what scene that is." <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, I, I really appreciate you, uh, letting me, letting me just fanboy for a second, and you know, uh, we also, you know, just, just, it's still relevant because we are talking about the kind of, uh, horror backbone of, uh, where both of us live, um, but now, now it gets a little bit more personal, Mm. um, how, how did you stumble across Lots of Pasta?
1: Ah, uh, so I, ooh, I think back in twenty sixteen, I was uh, grieving a death and got addicted to no sleep and just like staying up all night reading it. And then it got to the point where it was like my eyeballs want, like they just cannot do this. And I was uh, I had just started left right game. And I was like, surely somebody out there has done an audio of this and I just trawled all the podcasts and internets until I found lots of pasta. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then just started listening to the first of that of the Left Right series. And I was like, yes, actually, this is exactly what I want. And then just downloaded it and and just took off from there and then jumped straight to episode one. And just I Oh my god. I
2: cannot begin to talk enough about left right game. Every <laughs> time I see Ten Ron in person, I like give him a hug and I'm Aww. like I'm like dude, that was one of the best things I've ever recorded. <laughs> that was that was such that was such a journey. That he and I yeah. went on together. I'm doing something very similarly with Django right now, where it feels very he and I are stuck in a situation and going through it together. Um, oh, shit. By the time this episode came comes out, it'll already have happened. Um, nice. Uh, I, I am, of course, talking about Sin Eater, who... Uh, Taurus Filth had not had the opportunity to listen to this episode yet, or listen to this series. It's gonna be a four-parter, but Sin Eater is such a fun fucking story. And for me, the the idea of us doing different voices and capturing different characters has never been more evident than left-right game. So that means I'm speaking. I am speaking in volumes to a new thing we've done this season. It's definitely my favorite thing since left-right game. And when I do think about introducing people to the show and trying to give them something I think they can enjoy. If I don't give them like a really good single episode,
0: right.
2: um, you know, and it's hard to necessarily think of them now. I would probably give something like, I don't know. Um, pen pal, maybe one of the whistlers episodes, Mr. Bears, maybe.
0: Yeah. The, yeah. the, the,
2: the mayhem mountain with where am i maybe one of where am i's earlier episodes his first three episodes are fucking gold yeah
0: um
2: but yeah you know if i were to give someone a series that i knew they would get stuck on and i knew they would enjoy i would give them left right game and i think that that again speaks volumes to the way it was written to the way it was done um to to the acting that we did during uh listening to it and just just how fucking focused we were and how much we enjoyed the story. So, you know, I'm I'm glad that that was the first thing you found. Um yeah. that is that is in what I would consider our um third season. I would say that was that was like a peak for season 3, which is what I'm going to consider episode 101 to like 150. Um It's right there in the middle, and it fucking, it fucking stands out, because it's a, I believe it's five parts.
1: Something like that, yeah.
2: Each of them are two hours apiece, two and a half.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Like, you and Tenron have a really good, um, you know, podcasting friendship, and it just definitely comes through the story, and, you know... When 10 runs involved, it's usually a, a lot less chaotic and you're able to concentrate on the story and it fucking works. <laughs> but in saying that, I also love the chaotic episodes <laughs> like with Frowns and Harold Heavy Hands and... Um, but you
2: like the, Harold Heavyhands' episodes. <laughs> <laughs> We've never talked about that. You never said that.
1: <laughs> uh, now that I'm like, what, the sixth time listening through all the episodes now, like, yeah, there's like some... Yes, that'll just like at first don't grab me, but like the fourth time listening through. I'm like, actually, yeah, I can I can chive with that. <laughs> um but, yeah, Point but one also... out.
2: <laughs> Point one out <laughs> which oh, is God.
1: which is one
2: you've listened to recently that you thought was shit in the beginning, but now but now you like it.
1: Ah, um I don't know if it's specifically Harold Heavy Hands, but the <laughs> <laughs> um to be honest the ones where you're not reading a story um it took me a while to get used to scutch mcgee um oh okay
0: and
2: scutch and i just talk yeah he's he's i used to work right next to him and we would just talk all day it was such yeah. a we we'd just be using our hands not using our eyes to do like anything and 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 we'd just be able to, like, just just talk while we were, like, packing shit. So it was, like, the easiest, easiest job I ever had. Like, sorting boxes and running machines with a guy who will talk about literally anything. (laughs) So (laughs) any conversation we've had, aliens, the dead, the spirits, the afterlife, you know? The fucking void, you know? We've talked about everything together. And that's, that's, uh, that's carried over in our episodes together we we get carried away very easily talking about anything
1: <laughs> yeah but um, for me to fangirl for a moment like considering I started listening when I was like at one of my many lowest points in my life it's kind of like lots of has being this like anchor to the real world <laughs> in some sense if that, if that kind of makes sense Sorry.
2: I love that
1: yeah, so basically We were just able to wouldi- bring you smiles. Yeah. <laughs> we were able
2: to give you smiles at a time where you didn't want to smile.
1: Exactly, exactly. And just, like, or just needing to have some other human voices so I could just lie Oh, shit, bed.
2: absolutely,
1: absolutely. And, and just not, and you know, I'm not feeling anything, but I'm able to just have, like, lots of pasta, um, last podcast, like, yammer away at me, and it just, yeah... A a, a grounding kind
2: of uh, anchor. I listen to Last Podcast every day on the way to work. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And it's mm -hmm. always... It's always just something about my morning routine. It it gets me up in the morning, Mm. I'd say. Because I... I'm I'm a stereotypical guy. I immediately wake up, get out of bed, and go to work. Yeah. (laughs) And... And in that morning process, I need entertainment. I need to be stimulated or else I'm going to fall back asleep. And yeah. I, because I don't drink coffee or anything, I just wake the fuck up.
0: Oh and
2: my God. I, I hand, uh, I immediately get my phone and I hand my entire brain over on a silver platter to Last Podcast. And that is how I spend every morning. I just consume. All of their useless information <laughs> um, that I find incredibly entertaining. Obviously, the yeah. inspiration for this show
0: yeah.
2: came from the Creepypasta episodes of that show because I have been a lifelong fan of Last Podcast. I was there for their first tour. Um, I didn't get to go to any of the uh, Creek in the Cave shows back in the day in Brooklyn yeah. it's because I was too I was too young and too broke. Yeah. And, um, but I did hit them on their first tour when they, uh, were only able to go to like the tri state area. Yeah. And I got them, I got them in Philadelphia where they were literally telling stories from like five feet away from us and we were all just standing around them. Ooh, and um, oh my
0: God.
2: And it was just, That's it was so, so cool. great. And, and I've been able to have drinks with, with at least Ben each time. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's uh, so, uh, it's so great because, Every time I see him, I look in his eyes and I go, this guy doesn't remember me at all. But then (laughs) I tell him, but then I tell him a story of something he did and he goes, I remember you (laughs) and I go, and I go, I go, no, you don't. But that's so cool that you remember this story (laughs) (laughs) because he's always done something and I've been like there for it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm but a anyway, huge fan um of Ben Kissel. But um yeah, so thanks for letting me be a huge fan and even responding back to me and uh putting out oh,
2: some
0: content.
2: I'm, I'm very well, you're welcome, but uh go fuck yourself. <laughs> I, I will <laughs> I think um the the reason I did the show is because I stopped acting um, a long time ago, but I've always felt like Reading stories and kind of doing voices was something I always enjoyed. I would love to be a voice actor. Mm. Um, You know, if 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 I were ever offered like a role in an animated movie, I would give it my all, you know. Yeah. And I I think um, I even have a family member. Um, i'm i'm a i'm related to a guy who does voices in like video games and and movies and shit
0: yeah. and
2: um and i haven't seen him at like any family reunion because he's probably way too fucking busy but yeah. i i've i've told myself i'm going to go to like a con and walk up to him and be like Yo, you're like my second uncle on my my dad's side. <laughs> fucking teach me, teach me how you do what you do because I want to do it. Like he's been in Marvel movies. He's he's done voices on fucking like Overwatch. Like he's he's fucking crazy. And um,
0: Fuck
2: yeah. Anyway, uh, I I wanted to do the podcast because one I was fucking bored and two I had all these friends around me who I view as talented, funny, original and just so deserving of a spotlight just to be them. Exactly. And and like when I when I think of that I think of like Frowns and Django and Terry uh and and Disco Dracula in in particularly back in the day and uh the conversations we were able to have and the experiences we were able to have um, early on, I'd say first two seasons, uh, the first hundred episodes, um, were the, the most organic this show will ever be, because now there are expectations, there are limits to be met, there are things to do. Um, it's turned into a little bit more of a thing for yes. us. Yes. Um and and I I have to schedule it with my friends now because they're not as organic, we're not as young, we're not as free. Exactly. Um, a lot of us have lives that are going in different directions, hence why people have stopped coming on the show at certain points. You know, mm. I'm thinking of Disco Dracula and Booberry and and Bunch of Baby Ducks like our lives that just went in different directions. Mm. And it doesn't mean we don't talk. It just means that they're not on the show anymore, and that doesn't mean that their older episodes are going anywhere. They happened. They're good. Go back and listen to them. Um, at this point, there there is no there's there has never uh, really truly been like a huge amount of bad blood, um, but we you know i still i still want people to be excited about what we are doing and where we are going hence you being here you,
0: you yeah. are our
2: like biggest you are like our biggest fan and after having glitch blob on who was i would say the first fan that we've ever had on cuz he was just a guy who reached out to us and just said, Hey, like I have a YouTube where I do stuff. We should collaborate at some point. And I was like, absolutely. And then I turned say. around and did that to Ramsey's. Um, but the, the second fan I'd say I had on uh, was our most recent addition who you haven't seen yet. Um, her name is midnight bride. Cool. And, uh, She she is a a friend of mine who has been a friend of mine for the last 10 years, but I didn't know she was like listening to the podcast until I would say a year or two ago, um, which really surprised me. And she told me she liked it a lot. And I know that she also has experience and I think she's very sweet and very kind and and has a very distinct voice. So I I wanted to have her on the show. And she was recently on an episode. More
1: females, Um, more females. More females. Right.
2: Right, we have, uh, Cannibal Siren, Alley Cat, uh, DSL Daisy, uh, Mid- Midnight Bride, and now Taurus Filth. We've 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 rounded it out. At Yee. I would say you guys are now rocking a sixth of the show's
1: cast. <laughs> Yeehaw! Fuck yeah! Awesome.
2: I think I think for all of our five girls, we have s- six other guys. <laughs> but that's but that's okay. um... The, I, I I love having you here, and I liked having Midnight Bread on as well. I'm sure both of you guys are going to be on more as we move forward. I've already talked to DSL Daisy about coming back, and as you guys know, um, Alley Cat just comes on whenever we have other people, other situations going on, but uh, Cannibal Siren and I are doing something huge. I feel yes. like that's going to be the, um, the closing out of this next section. Um... As I've said before, the word of this season is inconsistency, because (laughs) I'm going to be doing, there are going to be some weeks where I do podcast, 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 and maybe we get through a series, or we get through a a certain amount of solo episodes with different people, and then I'm going to stop and put stuff out on the YouTube, and then when that's done, I'm going to put more stuff out on the podcast, so expectations should be holstered for a little bit. I feel like after doing the 200th special Cabin in the Woods chaos in the woods, I'm allowed to take a break <laughs> this season
0: exactly. a little bit.
2: Um but that do- but that doesn't mean the content is going to be sacrificed because of that break. Um what I mean by that is uh, I want to leverage the amount of time I'm putting in, uh, on the podcast with the same amount of time that I can also put into the YouTube to get more shit up there. Because YouTube is meant for viewing. It is meant for watching. Having a podcast exist on the YouTube is really only for people who work all day and are allowed to listen to YouTube, but maybe don't have access to other things. Yeah. Um, our, our, views, our views on YouTube when it's just the podcast should not be relegated to any of my perception about how the stuff we post for watching purposes uh, should be on there. But um, another reason the word is inconsistency is because we're doing a lot of different shit uh, this season and the upcoming season. Um, we're going to be doing, which at this point it would have already come out, um, movie commentaries, where uh, essentially you put on a movie and then you start our audio track when we tell you to, and then you essentially watch the movie with us as we just like joke and make fun of it
0: as it goes on
2: or maybe tell, maybe tell a story.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So, you know, that's, that's going to be another thing we do. We have an interview coming up, which is just going to be talking to someone, talking to someone who, who we admire. Uh, for for like an episode we might even read something with them I I leave that that ball in their court um, to use a, a sports metaphor that I don't understand um, <laughs> I I think uh, I think what what we're doing today is a huge part of season uh, four or five that we're at right now um, but but we are also like like, there's a lot of crazy shit (laughs) happening and a lot more crazy shit that's gonna happen. I'm excited for it all. So, yeah. Just
1: the chaotic crazy shit all over my ears and face.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I was (laughs) drinking when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. I almost, I almost fucking spat. Um,
1: (laughs) I'm ready for it all, Captain. That's all I am trying to (laughs) say. So,
2: uh, we're, we're, of course, we've done a lot of talking. I just wanted to give you the time, introduce you, get you acquainted. Uh, you know, I the last thing I want you to be is nervous about anything we're doing, because that's the last thing this show is, which is professional. And um, I'm going to take a huge bong rip, and then we're going to talk about <laughs> yeah, what I, I just what we're reading more, here today. I just because hate
1: two more gold
2: caps, so yeah, fucking bring it on. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, my new uh, my new bog, it has a uh, Rick and Morty print on it.
1: Oh yeah, nice.
2: <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah, I, 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 I have to name all of my pieces. <laughs> 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 I um, I name all of my pieces based off of whatever fictional material they remind me of, and naturally, I had to name this uh, character from Rick and Morty, so I called it Mr. Poopy Butthole. Yeah. And and whenever whenever I take a hit, I always go like
0: (laughs) hooey Love it.
2: That's a that's a good rip you just (laughs) took, huh? Gee golly, Willikers. (laughs) Oh. (coughs) Oh shit. Okay. So oh, right. this is Lots of Pasta. This is episode what is that? Two eighteen.
1: Holy shit. Yes. Good numbers.
2: And I am here I'm here with Taurus Filth, who we've been we've been conversing with and talking at for the last uh, you know, fifty some minutes. ora, And um oh man, when I asked her what she wanted to read today, I feel like we were stuck at a crossroads because we couldn't necessarily come up with um what direction? You know, she knows, obviously, from listening to the show, so probably more than anyone on this planet. Um, she wasn't sure what direction she wanted to go in. Uh, and and we, we kept thinking, like, one longer story would probably be good. Um, I don't know if we needed to do, like, a bunch of shorter stories. But this is something new I want to do. Mm, I want to nice. do two like medium-sized stories you know, It's it's been a while since we've had an episode like this I, I believe I've done this with Where Am I? Um, or, or Sofa King maybe but um, we're gonna read two, two hardier stories they're definitely longer than um, you know, just a couple pages um, but we're gonna read two of them and I believe one of them is from No Sleep And one of them is from Unsettling Stories, which um, both of them I'm very excited to read because I've heard good things about them, Mm. and um, I've had them on my list for a very long time. Um, So, uh, I think I, let me take another look at this real quick. Pretty much point for point. Um, do you want to read the first one?
1: Mm, I'm just having a quick look. Uh, yeah, sure. Fuck it.
2: And when I say read, I mean we can switch off at any point. You know, uh, you could do page counts. You could take the entire thing if you're feeling it. I really don't care. You tell me. Feel free to popcorn whenever you want to give it to someone else. Yes, it is.
0: Yeah, I'll just get started
1: and and see how we go. Go with the
2: flow. Absolutely. So, the first story we're going to be reading today is, um, I think it's a fun one. Uh, It's called Unknown Cargo, and this one is from Reddit No Sleep, and I I like the idea of this one um, because it's like... uh, It's like something that travels across the world, you know, like, uh, going to like a new place. You're never sure where you're going to show up or what even is in the box. And, uh, I, I feel like that's, uh, reminiscent of our connection as two people (laughs) because you're across the fucking world and I send my shit out into the subspace and you collect it. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and I, I feel like, um. This is a fun like, first story for us to both dive into. What is is your first thought when you see the words Unknown Cargo?
1: Uh, It immediately makes me think of Dracula, because he was Unknown Cargo. Um, Oh, fuck yeah! Yeah. That's gnarly. (laughs) Um, All right,
2: good first thought.
1: Yeah, I see something about a wave, and so that probably means shipping, and uh, for some reason it makes me think of the 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 series that was like um, the woods one, but it's the deep sea diving horror one that you read was, I think it was Django ages ago. I
2: oh think yeah. On the title. Oh yeah. That was a good series. That was um. Uh, that was uh, the deep sea diver.
1: That's the one.
2: The. Uh. What What was it fucking called?
0: dot ah. it it had
2: one of those reddit no sleep titles of like I am a diver for the blah 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 and (laughs) this is my thing and I am telling a story like you know there are two sides to no sleep there are posts like that and then posts like this (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway this is unknown cargo reddit no sleep and I'm gonna let Taurus filth just take this one away
1: alright unknown cargo In the early 90s, I was a deckhand on a ship that frequented the southern half of the globe. We mainly transported goods, occasionally passengers, and sometimes things that we weren't allowed to see. Once in a while, we'd see something we weren't supposed to. The guy who got me the job lost his life in one such incident. A large wave had rolled our ship hard to the port side and caused our below-deck cargo to shift violently. The strapping holding down a particularly heavy box gave under the strain and let the box go it slid into the wall revealing a large quantity of ivory and other illicit goods,
0: Ooh, he, left illicit the hold. goods.
1: <laughs> he left the hold as soon as he saw what it was but he was found dead later that same day crushed by another loose box they neglected to mention that he was also shot in the head in the official report <laughs> this was one of this was one of the incidents that made me quit. One, not the. What?
2: He's implying one of the incident, not the incident oh, that made okay. him quit.
1: The last time I set foot on that ship was 1993.
2: That's a long ass fucking <laughs> time ago.
1: Oh man, Kirk Cobain and Biggie Smalls were still alive. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a good year. Anyway, uh, the long and short of our journey is that we headed from Buenos Aires, Argentina, to Puerto Montt, Chile. It was easier to sail around Cape Horn than it was to find a reliable passage through the Andes. I don't know much about the client, but he hired our ship and paid us a fat bonus so that he could fill out the paperwork instead of us. What a good cut. This entails certain risks when entering port cities but it gave our client a greater degree of anonymity. An- 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 <laughs> anonymity. And not, that's, the, that's the one, gee, thanks. Uh, some people <laughs> pay quite well for that. Yes. The seas around Cape Horn can be some of the most treacherous on the planet. certainly the worst I've ever seen. Due to the fact that there is so little land and far south the winds can whip around nearly the entire planet past 40 degrees south creating the roaring 40s, the furious 50s and the screaming 60s.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah. Rock and roll.
1: These sound like neat names to most people. To me they mean we're in for a rough ride. Cape Horn forces ships to drop below 56 degrees south further south you go the worse the winds can get. I'm glad we he's aim-
2: explaining these things because I have no fucking idea. What <laughs> yeah I right.
1: don't know. <laughs> we're aiming I see for- a lot of
2: numbers and I immediately get scared. <laughs> I'm like oh no I have to do math now.
1: <laughs> um, we were aiming for a course around 56.5 degrees south. Cool this put us a little further offshore, hopefully out of reach of anyone who would want to expect slash steal our cargo, yet still close enough to land that we'd have a chance to make it if a storm hit hard and fast. The journey was uneventful until we approached the Cape. My job on the ship was the one that everyone can associate with. I was the cook. I didn't have any particular area of expertise aside from a friend since deceased who had told them that I made the best food out of the crappiest ingredients and that I wouldn't rat them out. Hey, that sounds like me.
2: Um, I was I, am good I, I didn't want to be offensive, but I was like <laughs> but I was like, "Taurus, is this like your first <laughs> job? Like is this what you were doing like 10 years ago?" <laughs>
1: Oh, 10 years ago, I was not a very good cook to the point that I even got scurvy, but that's a whole to- <laughs> <of the> story.
2: <laughs> that's beautiful.
1: <laughs> um, I am a good cook, and I had no plans on ratting out a less than noble captain or crew who would ultimately kill me if I did so. We were right. about 50, 50 miles off the shore on the night we'd be passing the Cape when things got odd question I mark <laughs> I don't suppose that's quite right they went s- straight stupid what they went straight stupid stupid straight
2: what? that's they that's went straight weird. stupid it's, it's, <laughs> a, I guess that's it's a slang I understand maybe not maybe not you
1: yeah that's a little weird me. Um, they went it straight
2: my... stupid. It just means it just means like no holds barred, no stopping. They they didn't degrade into stupidness. They went from being smart people to stupid people yep. like overnight.
0: Sh- straight
1: on into stupidville, gotcha. Um, it was my last voyage for a good reason. Things I can't rightly explain began to happen. Well you better explain it, jeez. Um,
2: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs>
1: When you're at home and something happens inside your house, such as a fire, you leave. You go outside and you watch the thing burn down or you see if you can put it out. That's not really an option at sea. You put the fire out or you jump ship and risk death. The fires we had to put out weren't the kind I'm used to. It was winter and the winds were bad as soon as we passed 40 degrees south. They got worse the entire way down. There were 13 of us on the ship. A horrible number but no one had yet been hired to replace my buddy i don't actually know any of the real names of my fellow crewmates nor did they know mine that being said i'm not willing to risk naming them as i knew them lest they find me i'll refer to the captain as carl he carl. was in his mid <laughs> 50s and was uh, the only person still on board who i really got along with the pay was you good. Bet so your I ass
2: I'm voicing Carl if he comes across.
1: <laughs> yes, please. Um, he'd often asked me to take watches late at night as I had no other real obligations at that time, unless it was very early, like 4 to 5 a.m. ship time. On the night we passed the Cape, I was on one such watch around 8 p.m. It had been dark for over two hours, and since it was winter, I knew there was a real threat of icebergs in this area. I spotted the first almost immediately and alerted the mate who was in the wheelhouse i honestly don't remember which one it was because immediately i saw more and more icebergs and we realized that we had stumbled into an ice flow this kind of phenomenon didn't regularly occur this close to the cape but it had happened in the past the only problem was that we'd need to go shallower or deeper to avoid it we went deeper deeper
2: deeper deeper (laughs)
1: Once we were a few miles further out uh, than the flow, the wind picked up in a bad way. I couldn't go outside anymore for fear of being blown overboard. The waves were in excess of 30 feet, and even some of those crew, though still awake, were starting to feel sick. Our ship was fairly sizable, 400 feet, but 30-foot seas are nothing to be trifled with. My inside watch path took me to the forward part of the ship, away from the crew quarters and around the hold, oh my god he describes a lot of stuff okay um we had (laughs) a set route for this and i always followed it to a T, never lingering in the hold lest i see something that i wasn't supposed to well this time it didn't really matter just before i got to the hold i heard an alarm klaxon that i'd only heard twice before it was damn near blew my eardrums but it meant that there was a massive wave approaching I grabbed the railing and held on expecting a large breaker or something of the like. I could suddenly feel the bow of the ship begin to rise and I felt myself being pulled backwards down the long corridor corridor I had just walked. I began to worry when it just kept going up. Finally, mercifully, the wave broke and our ship crashed down and through it. I wasn't on deck to see but I had imagined we were briefly partially submerged the impact was a relief but nonetheless th- threw me to the ground when i got up i was dizzy i'd hit i'd hit the railing and the ground pretty hard and could see a small bit of crimson on the ground where i'd lain i'd cut the right side of my head not bad but it bled nonetheless that's when i first saw something it was standing at the end of the hallway that led to the deck of the ship it looked like a person, and I expected them to come help me up and make sure I was okay. The
0: crewmates. The Oh, that's exactly
2: what he's I'm picturing. Wearing, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> and he's wondering why this guy's on the ground.
1: <laughs> the crew may have not been all buddy buddy, but you want your fellow crewmates to make the journey, if nothing else, so that you don't have to do extra work. I was still dizzy and a little woozy, but I could clearly see a figure open one of the outside doors and calmly step onto the deck. This couldn't be happening. No one had any reason to go outside. None. Everything we needed to do, adjustments to the ship, checking cargo, etc. could be done via the passageways inside the ship. Our ship had a two-way intercom system. I knew the nearest speaker was in the hold, so I reluctantly, reluctantly entered to let the mate at the helm know that one of the crew was outside and apparently had a death wish. When I (laughs) entered the hold, I noticed that it was eerily empty. Then I recalled that our current client had contracted us to haul only his cargo. I made for the intercom only to stop dead in my tracks a few feet from it. The cargo had consisted of one large cargo container, the kind that can be loaded onto a flatbed truck. Only... It had broken free of its moorings and slammed into the heavy wall we all referred to as the breaker. It was a very thick wall designed to protect the aft compartment from yielding in the event the cargo became dislodged, as it had today. The container had split and was awkwardly crumpled against the breaker. I wasn't about to witness precious gold spill onto the floor, followed shortly by my own blood, if our client had anything to say about it and was ready to run when I realized the container was empty. I could see all the way to the back of the container, and there was nothing inside at all.
2: I think I you ran... might be onto something with your initial <laughs> uh, Dracula comment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I ran to the intercom and screamed that somebody, someone had gone outside and went to leave the room when something about the container caught my eye. There were crosses painted all over it. It's Dracula! It's fucking Dracula! Oh my god, (laughs) There were crosses painted all over it. Every side had at least one cross on it, and the doors had one apiece. I stepped just a little bit closer to examine it, and I noticed the interior. It was covered in claw marks. The hinges of the doors on the inside had nearly been clawed clean off, and there were deep gouges in the heavy metal it looked almost like someone had made them with a torch. Ooh, maybe it's a werewolf? A vampire Hmm. werewolf. I don't know. Um, My first thought was that we were hauling some sort of big cat to a millionaire for his personal pet collection until I realized how foolish it was to think that a cat could claw through metal. (laughs) Suddenly, I heard the alarm klaxon for the second time in so many minutes and realized that I needed to brace myself in a hurry. I ran for the door and the railing, but, it was, but I was too late. This wave didn't hit us straight on. Whoever was in the wheelhouse hadn't seen it coming and must have done his best to turn us into it, but failed. The ship listed hard to the port side. I hit the floor like a bug on a windshield and rolled about 20 feet. I heard the captain calling over the intercom that we had taken water in one of our aft compartments. This has happened in the past and it wasn't all that surprising. But the fact that the captain had taken over the ship this late at night, it was now after 11pm, meant we were in pretty bad shape. I took a quick stock of my surroundings and our emergency protocol for situations such as these and realized something. I was completely alone. No one else on the ship would be within 100 yards of my current location.
2: Okay, I, I, do, I do have something to say.
1: Yes? I thought
2: this guy was a cook. Right? <laughs> Why is he doing so much work?
0: <laughs> Shouldn't you oh be making God. someone a
2: sandwich? Yeah
1: <laughs> The captain's probably hungry right about now. Jeez, mate. I am <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um he's the MacGyver of the ship. He's the cook and and whatever else this is. All around
2: all around mm. fuck boy.
1: Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Um that's when I heard the wind howling louder than I'd ever heard it before.
2: Was it Some- the wind?
1: <laughs>
2: or was it a werewolf vampire, frankly? <laughs> oh gosh. Um,
1: somewhere nearby there was something open to the outside. I ran from the cargo hold and noticed the door that I had seen the person walk out of was suddenly open again. I ran down the hall and grabbed the door to shut it but found it incredibly hot. The door handle burnt through my gloves and caused them to briefly smoke. I ripped my jacket off and used it to turn the heavy duty handle and finally seal the door. Over three inches of water now coated the floor. It would drain, but I was still left with the uncomforting thought that there was some person or people on board that I probably wasn't supposed to know about and he or she was now on, was now loose. Okay. I decided to take the long way around to hold. What? I decided to take the long way around the hold (laughs) to avoid any unnecessary meetings with our guests. This took me to the extreme bow of the ship it was somewhat cramped it was a somewhat cramped passageway that I'd only used two or three times prior but we all knew about it this passage was our way avoiding the hold at all costs it had, it had only two doors and didn't connect directly to the hold very near the turning point where the path doubled back I looked out one of the portholes and could see the worst seas I'd ever been in. It was almost as if higher powers were trying to sink our ship. I stared out the window watching the waves grow larger and larger almost as if in a trance for about 15 minutes before I realized how long I'd been standing there. Then I saw a trifecta of monster waves rushing at our ship from three different directions. From what I could see there was a 30 what's the apostrophe apostrophe for 30 foot uh yes i could from what i could see there was a 30 foot or better wave approaching each side of the ship and a monster of at least 50 feet coming at us straight on i heard that massive alarm klaxon again and this time there was going to be an announcement with it
2: oh shit yeah wait 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 captain carl (laughs) (laughs)
0: hold on
2: boys (laughs) this is gonna be bad
0: the
1: waves didn't hit us all at the same time if that was some sort of mercy the port wave struck first and pushed us into the starboard wave which actually worked to right the vessel somewhat the captain didn't mess around he was good at his job the last wave was the biggest I've ever seen If I hadn't been there to see it, I'd never have believed it. There was probably a five second break before it hit us and hit us HARD. I was already well braced, thankfully, but I could hear metal being wrenched and sheared on deck. There was going to be damage. I looked up and out the window again, only to see our onboard crane rushing towards us. I suddenly felt the temperature around me rise sharply before the crane hit the window. Everything went black. I woke up on the floor about 20 feet from a gaping wound in the front of the ship. The main crane had broken free from its base and gouged a hole at least 10 feet tall in the hull. I couldn't see below my deck to see its true depth. I could feel the warmth escaping the hallway through the opening and realized that, while the outside temperature was in the low 30s, the interior temperature had gone The interior temperature had to have been around over 100 degrees Fahrenheit when the crane struck. The power had gone out all around me. I could only hope it was a localized event. If the ship lost power, then we'd flounder in short order in these seas. Oh my gosh. This guy, this person, this author, is very, very, very descriptive. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing a very good job. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't eat, e- eat any more mushrooms than I had to. <laughs> That's all I <I'm> gotta say. <sighs>
0: um,
1: <clears throat> I suddenly had the unsettling feeling that I was not alone. I jumped to my feet and found my way along the hall, the wall opposite the way I'd come. Suddenly, I felt the temperature rise again and my mind immediately went to fire. Fire on the ship was bad. Fire bad! I knew that. <laughs> This was worse. I made the mistake of looking back and I could see a dark figure on the other side of the crane wreckage that was completely cloaked in fire. But this fire shed no light. It only created heat. I took a step back and suddenly the area in front of me exploded with heat. The figure stood directly in front of me. It was at least seven feet tall. It didn't walk like a person despite the incredible heat. I was completely frozen. Another massive wave shook me from my stupor, and I ran. I ran like I had never run before, but I could still feel the heat right behind me. I finally reached the front commons of the ship and saw that the rest of the ship still had power. Do
2: you I think it's saw a demon? Mm. Is, that, is that too much of a, of a stretch? The, the, the monster-ish features, the claw marks, the heat...
1: Yeah, some kind like of a hellfire fire. thing. Yeah, some kind of hellfire demon. Um, you know,
2: something from something from Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> uh,
1: to be honest, I've never watched Yu-Gi-Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fucking stupid. It, it didn't even make sense for the joke. Um, oh no, gosh. something, something, uh, something out of like uh, Devil May Cry or something.
1: Have you ever seen Yorotsuki Dodgy? No. Uh, oh, okay. I'm like starting to think it's some kind of like tentacle porn sex demon.
2: <laughs> oh, hell
1: yeah. Okay. <laughs> From the fire realm or something, I don't Let's know. Let's
2: go with that. <laughs>
1: um, right, I finally reached the front commons of the ship and saw that the rest of the ship still had power. I also saw there were deep scorch marks in my jacket. Oh, damn. I looked behind me through the heavy door leading to the hold and didn't see anything but black. I needed to alert the captain. As if the storm wasn't bad enough, our cargo didn't seem to be of this world. I had no intention of returning to the hold area, so I'd be using the galley intercom to reach the captain. I went down the first flight of stairs I could find and made a straight line for the galley. About halfway there, the power flickered. The emergency lights were all floor-based and offered very little help except that I wouldn't run full speed into a wall. As I turned the last corner before the galley, the power went out completely. The emergency fuck. lights... Huh? That's a fuck! Oh, yeah. <laughs> the emergency life get, lights gave off the orange glow and illuminated the bottom foot or so of the path. Once my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I looked down to the galley and to my horror, I saw a large dark figure pause, then enter the galley through the exact door I was headed to. I had no wish to run into what or whoever that was, but I didn't really have much of a choice. The bow of the ship was heavily damaged and if we took too many waves through that gaping wound, we'd eventually begin to flood. Forgetting the fact that there was something on board that I couldn't rightly explain.
2: I really enjoy this story. I think yes, he is being a tad too descriptive because it's not like I'm mathematically drawing a blueprint a blueprint of this ship like right now. But I I I enjoy the ambiguity when it comes to the monster or whatever we're dealing with. Same. But I appreciate the specificity of the situation because he's definitely it's a it's about focus for me Mm. um i I think of movies like um there was a recent one called like uh shadow in the clouds or something
0: okay
2: um it was about a world war ii plane with a gremlin on the outside quote unquote and chloe grace moritz plays a um an onboard ship gunner um who becomes obsessed with seeing it out, you know, out there on the wing, inspired by uh, the Twilight Zone story, essentially? Um, and it's it's all about how you're in a shitty situation. This is literally World War II. You're preoccupied, flying out of where you're at. Um, but then you get hit with something supernatural that you have to deal with at the same time.
0: It's too much. And man, now you have to
2: much. you have to split <laughs> your focus. Yeah. A little bit, you know. It's like the thing, you know. You're not you're not expecting it. It, it comes out of nowhere. Um, you were just doing your job, minding your business, mm. you know, in, in a shitty situation, and then it gets freaky deaky
1: Freaky deaky
0: indeed.
2: I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm getting more and more into it for sure. Now that we're out of the, the schematics. <laughs> um, <laughs> I made my way to the galley door and paused to listen in the galley. I couldn't hear anything over the sound of the raging storm outside. I inched my way inside and felt along the wall until I was at the intercom. The intercom system had a battery supply that would activate upon power loss. I hit the button and asked for the captain. I only heard static. After several seconds, that felt like hours, I heard a mate I'll refer to as Omar say,
2: Who are you? where are you carl is hurt It's carl with a k <laughs> the ship is damaged what has happened
1: i identified myself and he relayed that carl had fallen after the trio of large waves and broken his arm the last thing i heard was that we couldn't turn further inland because the storm got far worse when we did With a pop, the message faded to static that I was unfamiliar with and I heard a voice I didn't recognize broadcast across the intercom system. You will all die. Hell yeah. I felt my hair stand on end. The voice was not only over the intercom system but also just inches from my face. I scrambled backwards and felt an insane heat grow from the galley. It had used the intercom I was actively using to transmit that, as far as I could tell, to the entire ship. I ran to try and get back to the stern of the ship, where I knew there'd be other people. I ran full speed through the darkness and stumbled directly into a ladder well, a ladder well leading down to the next deck. I caught myself at the last second, but not before wrenching my ankle and banging my head yet again into the hard metal... I knew it wasn't broken, but I could feel shooting pain in my foot with every step and I began to limp hard. I jumped down the ladder well and followed the dim dim emergency lights towards the main crew area. The first intercom I came to didn't help much. No one responded to my pleas for help. I finally made my way to the bridge and found no one. There was a little blood on the floor, but no crew. What the fuck? I looked out the windows and into the driving storm to see a small blinking light off to the side of the ship the crew had taken the lone lifeboat and left me on board those cats <laughs> oh that's so rude god damn going through all this trauma and he's the only one left Ah, oh, um oh, that threw me <laughs> I, <laughs> I tried to radio the lifeboat but the radio did nothing but crackle Finally, the lights on the bridge began to began to flicker as well. I was going to die. I mean,
2: the that is what had, you were told, yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> the thing had finally caught me. I had almost given up when I realised that I did have one last resort. We had survival suits stored in the hold of the ship. If I could make it there, I might have a chance. Not a great one, but at least a chance in the frigid waters. The only way there would be on. The only way there would be on the surface of the ship. I ran to the door leading out of the bridge and tore it open. The wind was terrible. It was driving, driving sleet and snow all over the ship. It wasn't quite cold enough to outright freeze the salt water, but precipitation was a different story. I ran as best as I could on my hobbled leg and in the horrible weather, covering the distance from stern to bow in about a minute the outside lights were still operating but i could see the bridge flicker and go dark after a few seconds i needed to hurry i opened the door leading to the hold and found it too warm something was wrong the lights were still on yeah the lights were still on but the temperature was just too high (laughs) the temperature is just too high i ran towards usher you know, yeah.
2: <laughs> usher, Usher's found a way on ship, and he's just saying it's getting hot in here. And then you're supposed <laughs> to say how hot, and 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 then he's going to tell you to take your clothes off.
1: You know, <laughs> oh, that just sounds like delirious hypothermia as well. <laughs> I ran towards the rear of the hold to get to the emergency suits, only to see the water rush in from the open door. More water than there should have been. Too much water. I suddenly found myself floating and swimming in frigid water. It filled the room, and then I saw the ceiling. And I saw up at the ceiling. What? what? It filled the room, and then I saw up at the ceiling gasping for breath.
2: Yeah, it sounds like the ceiling is what's gasping for breath. But, <laughs> yeah. um He's saying that he jumped in the water and looked up.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: He just okay. didn't say it very well.
1: Yeah. No words (laughs) then I felt the ship move again and I was thrown Towards the wall, that was the last thing I remembered I woke up On the table of our ship's doctor Staring into the bright light He was looking away from me when I woke And I struggled to form the words to speak He noticed I was up And informed me that something strange Had happened on board, no shit The power (laughs) In the forward section of the ship Had been lost in the storm but the stern and engines remained fully operational. I had been found soaked in, in sea water in a survival suit running an incredibly high fever, convulsing on the floor of the cargo hold. I'd taken a good shot to the head and probably had a concussion. I began to finally relax. I went back to my room with orders to rest and the crew could figure out food for themselves that night. I made it all the way back to my room when I realized that I had forgotten my jacket at the doctor's. I opened the door and grabbed it from the table and made my way back to my small room. As I lay down to sleep, I remembered that my jacket had been burned and I absentmindedly turned my jacket around to make sure there weren't any claw marks or scorches on it. Nothing. As I threw it on my chair, it turned inside out revealing a massive scorch in the shape of a door handle and a sizable claw mark scorched onto the inside, exactly where it would have been if the jacket was on inside out. I had to check the hold. I made for the front of the ship in a hurry. The hold was warm like it had been earlier. The crane was undamaged on the surface and the storm hadn't abated much. I entered the hold and saw the cargo container crosses were painted on every side still, but it was wedged in place as always. Properly secured and unopened, I breathed a sigh of relief and went back to my room. I suddenly heard a voice over the intercom, a familiar one this time. I'm still here. I looked back to the container in time to see the power flicker on, revealing a large black figure standing in front of the container. The power almost immediately went back out and I was left dumbstruck. Oh my goodness.
2: He's being, uh, fucking, uh... He's being enticed by a, a demonic trickster,
1: I Yeah. Think. Yeah, some kind of crazy, sexy hot trickster god. <laughs> or demon. Um, I ran back to my room, threw the jacket out the window, and locked the door, for what that was worth and made excuses to the captain and crew to avoid the front of the ship. What? To avoid the front of the ship the rest of the journey. It wasn't hard. <laughs>
0: it's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Once we arrived at Puerto Montt, I informed the captain that I was quitting. I found overland transport back to home and never looked back. I saw it the entire way home out of my peripheral vision. Oh, that's creepy. I could see yeah. the shadows moving with the truck or when we'd be on a small boat. I'd see things in the water. Once I got home I found a job cooking in a small restaurant and kept to myself. After about eight months I never saw it again. I was then contacted by an insurance agency. My old ship had sunk. Oh fuck. They'd taken the journey around Cape Horn one too many times and were hit by a trio of waves that rolled the vessel. Far out man. It almost righted itself, but the main crane had torn free and gouged a large hole in the front of the vessel. This let water in rapidly and flooded the port side of the ship. It never recovered. All hands were at sea except for the captain. He was found in a survival suit clutching a crucifix that he commonly wore around his neck. He was still alive when they found him, but he was burned over 60% of his body. He mumbled the Lord's prayer until they put him in an induced coma to recover from the burns at the hospital. He never came out, dying less than a full day later. Damn! Yeah. The ship has never been accurately located, though the the best estimates put it significantly off course. The last proper coordinates read below 60 degrees south. They were closer to Antarctica than to South America. Wow! Wow!
2: That was an insane fucking story. Yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> a little, a little too informative, like a little too wordy. Yeah. You you, he could have said just as many words in, in a little bit better of a way, I think. Um, but there was definitely like a demon on board or something. Yeah, I was
1: hoping he, I was hoping you'd go into the demonness a little bit more, but uh
2: It's really just a a black veiled shadowy monster. Yeah. Is that is that the idea?
0: Yeah.
2: I enjoyed that thoroughly.
1: I like I like the noticing it in the peripherals. I got that um, after watching Blair Witch for the first time when I was a kid. Oh hell
2: yeah. <laughs> oh hell yeah. Yeah. Oh that was great. I'm I'm really excited that that's where that story went because this next one I've been looking forward to reading for a very long time.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Um very similar idea. Um, but you had called uh, Dracula with your last one. Yeah. I'm calling I'm calling Clovie out of Cloverfield <laughs> for this one. Red. As the title is in our quest to drill for more and more oil, I think we finally went too deep.
1: Yes, exciting.
2: And I don't know if that's uh, if that's gonna get into kaiju territory, but that's where I'd go
0: yeah. with a
2: title like that. Um. Anyway, uh, unknown cargo on to drilling, drillin too deep. We're we're uh, we're really we're really uh, have a have a theme going here.
1: Mmm, I'm liking this
2: I've worked in petroleum engineering for 35 years Most of it has been in the Gulf of Mexico Though I'd done a bit of contract work in the uh, Middle East and Canada After the BP disaster, there had been quite a pressure on the major petroleum companies to use extra caution and increase their R&D budgets to design safer technologies to prevent another environmental catastrophe. You know, uh, but but we're going to continue to think that global warming doesn't exist. (laughs) For most of the people in my position, that meant more work and less pay, of course. My most recent employer has been one of the big American oil companies. I'm not going to name them, but I'll name them
0: Texaco.
2: (laughs) I've been stationed on an experimental semi-secret offshore platform in the Gulf of Mexico, muy bien. (laughs) I say semi-secret Because we're using a lot of new Highly proprietary technologies If our competitors Were to learn about them We'd be set back a few years And countless billions of dollars I think he means to say Pesos (laughs) All outward appearances Would suggest we're a normal platform But that's outfitted for extreme Depth drilling If only the competition knew how deep we were going Deeper And deeper
0: deeper, deeper.
2: <laughs> deeper, The platform is right near the edge of the drop-off Leading to the 6B Abyssal Plane One of the new technologies we've employed involve our remotely operated submersibles They're basically just submarine drones with lots of cameras and equipment on them That can go super deep All the ones we'd used in the past needed to be tethered to the surface, using a fiber-optic connection. The physical connection had its pros and cons. Fiber-optic connections are speedy as all hell, which means command and data can be sent back and forth to the drone with no meaningful lag. A major downside, however, is that a physical cable limits the maneuvering capabilities of the drone. At the depths we were hoping to reach, the topography was unknown. Previous attempts to send tethered drones Ended in failure When the cables were severed by the terrain Even with our best Satellite sonar And early drone imagery Our knowledge of the area we wanted to drill Was terrible The resolution was too low for any meaningful Data to be gleaned We knew there was oil down there Lots and lots and lots of it But until we could Develop new ways to map the bottom We were screwed A guy named Masaharu Ajibana changed everything for us, but I'm just going to call him Senpai. (laughs) He'd been a materials scientist we'd brought on to work on some of the new ceramics composites that we use in our drill heads. And when he saw the new undisclosed material we'd been wanting to employ in the future drills, he must have spent four days straight poring over the properties with an enthusiasm, I'd never seen in a person over the age of five. At the end of those four days, senpai not only understood that materials better than the team who invented them, but he'd gotten an idea about how to transmit data through miles of miles of murky salt water using some bizarre form of piezoelectric resonance unique to the properties of the new ceramics essentially a transceiver on the drone would resonate at the same frequency as one on the platform once the transceivers were locked in an oscillatory pattern smaller tighter waveforms from a second set of transceivers would traverse the oscillation quote unquote cable you know linking the drone and the platform of course, it's not rocket science. <laughs> Nearly every scientist in every department in the company said this was entirely impossible. Still, there was enough support from a few key players in R and D that Senpai's claims were investigated. Investigation led to cursory confirmations, and cursory confirmations led to experiments. Experiments led to shocking successes, and in shocking successes led to fast development and deployment of new technology in the history of a company. It's that technology our company employed three weeks ago. We'd been using a fleet of nine drones to map the abyssal plain of Sigsby Deep. That's one hub drone and eight mappers. The hub has one main resonator, which communicates with the platform, and eight smaller drones, which communicate with the mappers. We were dumbfounded not only by the simplicity and the ease of the data transmissions, but by the richness of the data we were seeing. Another technology we deployed for this project was a small cable form drill mounted on the mappers. It was a drill head equipped with new ceramics and could cut through the bottom of the plane with ease. These cables were 3,000 feet long, not anything major, but they allowed the mappers to confirm the massive salt sheet we'd assumed was covering these oil deposits. Once the drill cable maxes out, a tiny device gets the deposit in the, ca- in the cavity. It's mostly multi-level sonar with some seismographs and embedded communicators, nothing uh, <laughs> too advanced. <laughs> it measures minute seismic activity. I have no idea what I say. I am I feel like Han Solo. I feel like Harrison Ford when he was yelling at Steven Spiel, or yelling at George Lucas about the shit he had to say in Star Wars cuz he would just be like, "George, I don't know what this means." And George would just be like, "Well, just say it like this." And he would be like, "Okay, fine. Fuck it." The data gets processed by our CPU cluster and is incorporated into our future drilling plants. I I get the idea. They're mapping an area, they're marking terrain, like it's, it's not... I don't know why he has to explain it this way.
1: Yeah. God damn.
2: As I said, we've been mapping for three weeks, and a week ago, the seismographs started picking up some bizarre activity, and something else happened. It's something neither I nor the onboard medics can adequately explain. Last Tuesday, Derveso Zaragozo, Zaragoza, Gervaso Zaragoza? <laughs> Zaragoza, A member of my team went to the infirmary complaining of severe headaches. He had no history of migraines until the headaches started and seemed to be in perfect health. The severity of the pain grew as the day went on, and after a couple hours, he was screaming. And when I stepped out of the infirmary, another team member came to me and casually mentioned the seismic activity of uh, the plane had been rising all day, and on a whim, I asked him to send a sleep command to the seismographs, and a minute later, Gervaso was fine. We resumed the operation of the seismographs later in the afternoon, Gervaso, who was resting but otherwise alert, was unaffected. I knew it had to be a coincidence and did my best to put the event out of my mind. Gervaiso is now going to be called Luigi for some <laughs> terms. So we have Luigi and Senpai. <laughs> On Wednesday, the mappers were spread in a wide circle out of the hub and they were pinging the interior of the circle with extremely high resolution sonar as well as multi-laser topography measurements as the circle widened. The goal was to see if there had been any appreciable surface shifts since the last measurement three days earlier. With the seismic activity we'd experienced, I'd expected some shifts to be detected. There were no shifts. Instead, there was a series of long, unbroken convexities lining the seafloor. The scan resolution was extremely sharp, and we could clearly see the digitized images of straight lines pushing nearly a meter above the plane. Even with the scans, I wanted to see a camera feed, so I directed the camera to send a raw feed to the platform, and the light of the drone went on, and the screen displayed a long, perfectly straight mound in the silt that stretched for miles. Mm. The other mappers displayed the same thing the onboard geologist wouldn't rule out the possibility of a seismic event because the ca- the cause of the convexities. He said we knew very little about the seismological properties of the salt plate beneath the plane. The pressures of the silt and the water above it and the oil and gas below made for an intensely complicated interaction model, and even though he'd never heard the type of the thing we were seeing, instances of symmetry in natural geology were well known. Of course. He mentioned the basalt formations at Giant's Causeway and that's how he left it (laughs) easy as that I wasn't convinced even though I'm not a geologist it seemed (laughs) odd that such obvious and large changes could occur with the comparatively little seismic activity we've seen right, easy (laughs) Even though the activity had increased as we'd observed it, it still hadn't come close to reaching an intensity that would have moved such a large amount of rock and water. I sound smart. (laughs) (laughs) Two days later, on another mapping mission, I took manual control of one of the drones. I said, fuck it, let's play GTA with this bitch. Yeah. (laughs) I'd had the guys from Robotics outfit another couple cameras and lights to go outside. I guided the sub along the tallest of the convexities and positioned it about a foot above its surface. All of the cameras and lights traced along the convex surface, no visible change from the other day. I extended the drill, and the drill head sank into the convexity and stopped. It was stuck. The transceivers on the hub reported air transmissions from the mapper. I reversed the drill, back it out, and try again. Throughout the platform, I heard a number of sharp reports that sounded like gunshots, and in the other room, shouts of surprise and screams of fear ringing out. I ran from the control panel to see what was going on, and John Edmondson was lying on the floor. A hole had appeared in his belly, a sucking sound filled the room coupled with John screaming with an intensity I'd never known to be possible
0: what the fuck
2: he moved his hands to the wound in an attempt to plug it but with a series of horrible wet cracks his hands Ugh. and arms were pulled into his belly Ugh. a pull, uh, above him a hole exploded in the steel ceiling its ragged edges pointing downward, I realized John was being pulled down to the deck below.
0: What the fuck, bro?
2: I ran down the steps and watched with profound horror as the man was pulled through a series of
0: holes (gasps) the size
2: of dimes. All the way through every floor platform, down into the water. Yeah.
0: I ran down
2: each floor, watching the column of gore disappear ever downward, and two minutes later, a foam of pulp and entrails floated in a heap oh. on a choppy surface of the water. God I slowly Damn. plotted... <laughs> yeah, what a way to go.
0: No. <laughs>
2: I slowly plotted back up the steps, unsure if I'd seen... If I, I'm unsure if what I'd just seen could possibly have been real, and I was jolted out of my contemplation when I realized that behind the shrill voices of my co workers, an alarm was screaming <laughs> from the drone control room. I ran back upstairs, past my traumatized colleagues, and made it to the control room, and the camera feed was gone. I rewound to the moment I'd left the room and started at the screen, and, and started, and st- I think he means stared. and, And stared at the screen with disbelief The convexity below the drone shook Like an electric shock had coursed through its bulk Then the silt covering it began to fall away It wasn't a rock formation Ripples of peristaltic convulsions Seethed along a gray, scarred surface A hole opened in the surface of it and the drill cable began to get sucked in. As the 3,000 feet were being consumed, the camera showed a vacant column the width of a dime pointing straight up. Mm. I realized that that must have been what had killed John. Once the drill cable disappeared, the screen went black, the drone presumably gone, the other drones still mapping away the mechanical obliviousness I called up the real-time sonar data The convexities had disappeared from the sea floor I pulled back on the sonar map and tried to figure out what I was seeing The sonar feed was slow, around 2 frames per second Still, there was no mistaking what was coming on screen The convexities had all lifted from the Abyssal Plane, and were waving back and forth through the water. They were massive, easily 7,000 feet long. I couldn't figure out what was causing them to move. Then, as the reality of John's death started to sink in, and the strangeness of what the camera showed before it went out began to take a hold in my mind, I came to the realization that was impossible to ignore. What I was seeing wasn't an effect of bizarre deep sea geology. They were colossal, writhing tentacles.
0: Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty
2: gnarly. I'm digging it.
0: Uh, I yeah, mean, he is, needs to stop great. talking like
2: such a fucking nerd, but. <laughs> I guess it's providing some type of authenticity to the background of the story.
1: Yeah. Holy moly.
2: The following hours passed in a blur of frantic calls to corporate system checks and a near-riot when the divers refused to collect the rapidly dispersing grease slick that used to be John Edmondson. The tension broke when Luigi, whose headache had returned with a vengeance, grabbed a wrench that weighed almost as much as he did, hoisted it over his head like he was going to hit someone, and then toppled backward and fell on his ass. It's amazing how the humor of someone falling down can diffuse a volatile situation. It is, isn't it?
0: (laughs) After a few
2: minutes, the (laughs) right. After a few minutes, the divers stopped complaining and did their part, while the rest of the crew shut up and went back to work. (sighs) Yeah, it's fine.
0: But what about the tentacles? What the hell? I
2: wouldn't immediately be scared about anything that's going on. (laughs) Specifically, the person who was pulled into the abyss. I hadn't told anyone what I'd seen in the water. Oh! Oh. Newsflash! (laughs) As far as corporate was concerned, a catastrophic failure in the hydraulic system was what had pulped their employee. Yes, people with knowledge of the systems involved would be able to dispute it, but at the moment, which was what mattered, no one did. I'd be able to talk with corporate later in the week once I knew what was going on, and they'd appreciate me keeping it from the rest of the crew. A plausible lie is always better than a disruptive truth. During the commotion, when I was trying to get everyone to calm down, the tentacles, or whatever they were, had fallen back to the floor of the plane. They sat in a straight line at the bottom. I dumped all the data showing their movement to a pair of USB sticks, pocketed them, and purged the storage array of any evidence. For the rest of the day, I sat at a console and did my best to work without interruption while the calls to and from corporate had slowed every 45 minutes. I'd be forced to respond to another board member's secretary asking me the same questions I'd already answered a dozen times, and thankfully as the day came to an end, even those calls died down. It was quiet. My direct supervisors left via helicopter in the early evening. I was in charge for the weekend. It wasn't a new experience. The upper management of the platform had the freedom to go back to the mainland and visit their families a few times a month, and they did so as frequently as possible. I was used to being in charge. In fact, I enjoyed not having anyone breathing down my neck. In the morning, more of the crew were reporting headaches. Luigi was not one of them. He said he felt a lot better and even volunteered to take the shifts of a few of his colleagues who were under the weather. His supervisor, Quan Williams, who felt like shit, told him to do whatever he wanted. I found out about that much later. I'd been busy since... Early in the morning, working remotely from my dorm and using my laptop to control one of the drones, I was studying the tentacles Overnight, one had moved Not much, but enough to warrant my investigation, especially because it was touching one of the platform's support beams To make matters worse The bottom was exceptionally murky. Sediment was floating in a thick cloud. Visibility was awful. While I could see the tentacle touching the platform through a visual sonar composite, the resolution was low. It was obvious there was movement on the floor of the plane, but its source was invisible. Part of me was certain something was being intentionally hidden. Around noon, Anand... The head medic knocked on my door I met him in the hallway And he informed me that 34 of the 66 crew members Were sick with debilitating headaches I told him to keep me abreast A chicken abreast Of what was going on And if anyone took a turn for the worse To keep it quiet And to come to me immediately He nodded I think he understood the importance of avoiding another commotion I didn't have to wait long And Aunt came back at 2pm And he looked upset When I'd asked who'd gotten worse, he looked around, then put his fingers to his lips, shush-shush-shushin' me! And I nodded, and he beckoned me to follow him, and so I did. We traversed the labyrinthine staircases of the platform. We were heading toward the mechanical room. I hated the mechanical room. Fuck the mechanical room! (laughs) The mechanical room was where all the heaviest equipment was located. It was always loud, always filthy, always dangerous pumps and engines rattled and expelled noxious fumes while hydraulic cables transported fluids under pressure so high that a leak no wider than a human hair could cut a man in half. The crew who worked down there were a mixture of brave and insane. They'd been putting in double time over the last few weeks as they tested and prepared the platforms to begin its main drilling cycle. Anand and I reached the room and found five crew members being kept at bay by their supervisor, Karen Vant. Karen. When they saw me, they said, Yeah, it's a fucking Karen. And when they saw me, they started asking questions, all relating to Luigi, who volunteered to work there for the day, and Frank Pancakes. I'd never met Frank Pancakes <laughs> before, but I knew he was one of the newer mechanics to the platform. Karen told her guy to shut up and let us through, and to their credit, they did. As you can tell, Frank Pancake's last name is organic. (laughs) sugar-free. Karen, Anand, and I walked down the main corridor between two massive generators. Karen (laughs) Karen told us how all the holes in the platform from the accident with Edmondson had been patched. All but one. The one we were coming up on. The mechanical room was essentially the basement of the platform. Below it was nothing but pipes, cables, and water. I saw the hole ahead of us, and as we got closer, I saw there was something coming out of it, something bright red, glinting in the harsh, overhead fluorescent light, and my breath caught in my throat. We approached the hole, a hundred feet below, greenish-gray waves heaved against one another. I got on my knees and peered down, making sure not to touch the thing coming out. On the northern support beam, a thin line of red rose out of the gulf all the way to the underside of the platform and over to the hole. Once inside it, it stretched down the corridor. Karen asked me if I had any idea what it was, and I lied, and I told her I had no idea. Anand urged us forward, and we continued down the corridor following the red tube.
1: It's a a dick. It's a tentacle dick.
2: It's a big old dick, right? Yeah. We turned corners and ducked under cables and piping until we reached one of the hottest, noisiest, and filthiest corners of the room. Luigi was there, facing Frank Pancakes. They stood motionless and open-mouthed, staring at one another as we walked toward them, and they didn't move or acknowledge our approach. The closer we got, it became obvious something was very, very wrong with them. The red thing had grown up Luigi's leg and chest, and appeared to have entered his face under his chin. But <laughs> this was the least disconcerting part. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I'm just imagining it as a big giant data penis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the light was dim over here, blocking by the piping and machinery. I had to get in close to see exactly what was happening, and Karen produced a flashlight without my knowledge, and as soon as I was within a foot of their faces, she flicked on the light and I gasped. Luigi and Frank Pancakes Were joined By thin red veins They appeared to have Sprouted from Luigi's eyes And then entered Frank Pancakes face at various Spots in his mouth Eyes and forehead They trembled Slightly Almost like they were shivering As I watched another cilia like vein Pushed from the center of Luigi's eye And twirled outward, searching for purchase before settling on Frank's temple and slipping inside. What? What? What is?
1: What? No, hang on. Sorry. My brain immediately <laughs> wanted to do an exit. <laughs> what is it?
2: Karen asked, and I looked at Anand, and he shook his head. A string of drool oozed out of Frank's mouth. We can't leave them here, Anand said. They need to get to a hospital. Can we move them? I don't know. They might move on their own if we ask. Luigi, estas bien? (laughs) He didn't answer. He didn't move. Frank Pancakes? (laughs) Nothing. I took the flashlight from Karen and touched it to the veins, and they stretched under the pressure but didn't react, and I pressed harder. Maybe you shouldn't, started Anand, which is my immediate first thing to say. What the fuck are you doing? But I already pressed hard enough to detach one of the veins from under Frank's tongue. Frank exhaled heavily, and his left eye turned to look at me. And before any of us could react, the entire platform shook. What the fuck was that? Anand practically shouted.
1: I have no idea
2: Karen answered, wide-eyed.
1: It felt like something just crashed into one of the support beams.
2: And that's where you end? Oh Rhoda! Ah oh. What a what a buttfuck of an <laughs> ending.
1: Is there a part two? What the hell?
2: That was part two. Let me see if I can oh, find yeah. a part three
1: god damn I want to know what the veiny tentacle penis things do <laughs> oh,
2: let me let me see I'm on his website right now let yeah, me see if
1: there's I, ever since I mentioned Yorotsuki Doji all I've got in the mind is like tentacle penis demons
2: tentacle penis demons yep yeah. I mean you called it yet again.
1: <laughs> they had some nice bits of gore though. Anything that goes through like small holes and becomes a bit more like fever me. Oh dreamy.
2: that was Yeah, that was gnarly. I, I you were making some some fun noises while <laughs> I was while I was reading that you were you were feeling that dude's pain getting getting pulled <laughs> down. He says we will be Concluded So let me try looking for So at least he implies That if he didn't finish it yet He's going to finish it later Which is only a little bit of a bummer Because I feel like I've been holding on to this story For years Right Yeah nothing, nothing comes up when I search a part 3
1: Damn, maybe it's something we can we revisit might have in the to, future. We
2: might have to come back to this. But I, but I liked it enough to do that, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was good. It
2: was fun. It had it had something crazy going on. What do you think was down there? They were implying that something was was living in the deep, some tentacled beast that that could kind of take take over people, maybe. Yeah. Parasitic parasitic in nature or perhaps proxy in nature yeah who knows I, I don't know I don't know what connects to big tentacles and little veins I don't know that's 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 creepy. It definitely applies to the uh, the body horror that unsettling stories is known for using
0: exactly
2: anyway. Um just just because at least your story ended, I do actually think I enjoyed yours more. Um I think I think Reddit No Sleep wins this one for me, and that's just because uh the guy goes out to tell a story and uh and he kind of sets up the context really well and then finishes it. Um this one didn't didn't do a lot of that. I liked the terminology and I liked the setting. Um, but when it came to like what we were dealing with, I was asking myself like too many questions, mm. and like like what what were we actually dealing with? What were we seeing? And it seemed to like hop around a little bit too much. Like like when you describe these huge fucking tentacles, why are we now dealing with something as small as a vein? You know, like yeah. what's what's the what's the connection? What's the connection between the two? Are you implying that? it's on the ship in a, in a way or are you saying that it's attacking you like consuming the entire thing inside and out?
0: Yeah. Um
2: you know what's what's its motivation? Yeah. <laughs> what, you know, I I get that we're drilling and that can you know that's that's why I brought up Cloverfield in the first place. Um Cloverfield's entire um online backstory is, uh, there are even fake news articles about it. There's, there was a drill, um, off the coast, um, uh, the Eastern coast of the United States that essentially was mining a certain chemical, a certain, uh, microbe, um, that was used for food, uh, for other organisms deep, 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 deep deep in the, in the ocean. And um when we took too much of it away, essentially a wandering creature of the deep um came looking for it and the creature that we see in Cloverfield is a baby of a larger one
0: yes, that's that had is.
2: essentially that had been essentially looking for food mm. um because the drill had been sucking a lot of it up. Um that's like a a canon actual backstory to Cloverfield that you can find online, but is not brought up in in the movie at all.
0: Yeah. Um.
2: It's only it's only implied as Cloverfield has gone on with its many sequels, um, and and as well as offshoots, um, in reference to Cloverfield Lane. Um. Not sure if the aliens have anything to do with the Clovey monsters or not. No one knows. Um. But yeah, apparently there is finally coming a Cloverfield sequel, so I guess we can be excited about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched any of the the first one in a very long time, and this is all making me want to rewatch all of them.
2: Yeah, um, I like I like the first one the most. Obviously, I think Lane is a, is a solid follow up, but you lose me you lose me on the aliens a little bit, and that's just because they really don't have anything in my mind to do with. Cloverfield,
0: yeah, you know
2: you could have just named it a different movie. Like originally, its its working title was Valencia, I think, and uh, I okay. I would have much rather the title have just been. Oh no 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 that was um that was the title of Cloverfield Paradox. I'm sorry. So, um, no, that one was called uh, the Cellar or something. It was called, um, it was called like Safe House or something. Its its title oh. was really its title was really obscure. The original working story was that um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character was never uh, meant to get out of the the bunker. Like the bunker would essentially be the end of the movie, and you never know if yeah what's on the other side. You know they probably would have padded it with like twenty more minutes of tension inside the bunker as opposed to the outside sequence. Um, yeah. But J.J. Abrams saw it and thought, um, you know, how about we how about we mess with the ending a little bit? I'll give you some more funding. Uh, we can rework this this story a little bit, and they signed on to it, and that's why it became a Cloverfield mm-hmm. movie. Um, the same thing with Valencia, which was uh, the the other world's paradox thing um, aspect of Cloverfield paradox. And, um, Mm. essentially in that movie, they travel from one universe to another, disrupting, uh, the satellite that essentially, um, crashes down in the first Cloverfield movie. And then the ending twist reveal is that, um, those monsters evidently are like a global threat, the big ones that, that come looking for their baby, essentially, yeah. um to some to some degree we don't know um the ending of Cloverfield paradox uh struck me as really stupid um <laughs> because she's on the escape pod talking about how she's gonna come back to her husband and he's like no no stay up there where you're safe stay up there where it's yeah. where it's nice you can live yeah. up there there's nothing down here these these giant monsters have have destroyed the planet you know if that's the case why are we why are we sexting yeah (laughs) shouldn't you be dead eaten by a giant monster or something
1: yeah and then you know of
2: course they have to show it so it comes roaring up out of the clouds to get everyone's dick hard for like one second
1: yeah yeah with those ones and many others that have a lot of multi-sequels it's like Where's the, uh, it's a it's a it seems to be a hard line to ride on um, cash grab versus <laughs> continuing and expanding. The well, plot. I think they
2: finally I think they finally got that because I remember hearing that Cloverfield Lane did well. Like for for its yeah. budget, its budget was something like uh, a couple million dollars. So like I'm sure it did better than that. But I, rem- I remember hearing that the reason why Paradox went to Netflix is because they didn't think it was going to do well, and I don't think it did. I mean, I I think it did as well as a Netflix movie could do when announced at the Super Bowl like it was. Um, <laughs> but but um, not a great movie in hindsight. And that's, that's why I'm confused about where the second one may go, because apparently they finally greenlit A two, and no one knows if it's going to be prequel to one side story of one, maybe a different perspective of the story of one, but, you know, told from maybe someone who lives on a different coast and is witnessing, you know, from the outside and maybe wants to go inside and figure out what's going on. I don't know. No one knows. The second one, for all I know, could take place in the fucking, you know, apocalypse world of... The future of Cloverfield Paradox, for all we know, I have no, f- I have no fucking clue. Um, but I'm down for it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I-, I liked, I liked the first one enough to say that any, any continuation of that story, I'd be interested to see where it goes. It, it beats some of the other shit that I've been watching. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I've been like hard in on anime recently. <laughs> nice,
1: nice. Um, yeah, both these stories, because... Did you say this was No Sleep versus...
2: Unsettling um, stories.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, both of them had this weird thing that kind of reminded me of, like, authors from, like, uh, the 19th century, where it's, like... Yeah, A whole yeah. lot of gas bagging about all these certain details and then getting into the creature, the monster. The yeah, happenings. the details
2: don't matter too much... But they provide a, a healthy amount of context to make you believe at least where the story yeah. is coming from. Um, not that it matters to the demon or the monster, you know the the plot. Um, I wouldn't say it's too Lovecraftian. Lovecraft did use a good amount of detail, but I think his writing just had like a different prose, a different feel to it. Mm. But uh, but it definitely does remind me of like a Shelley. You're you're right. Yeah, said, you know she was a little bit more romantic, but um, you know someone who would provide you the 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 delicate aspects of a wooden banister, uh, you know, in a story about yeah. like a dead monster, <laughs> like you know.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> But anyway, well, I, I I hope you enjoyed reading both of those. I did as well. As as disappointed as I am that the um the second story didn't end, you could say it ended there and that the entire fucking thing collapsed and that's the last message we have from yeah. the dude on the ship from from corporate and you know the the allusion is that you know uh, don't don't go looking for shit. You know, uh, don't don't start nothing. Won't be nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Don't fucking work for oil drilling companies. <laughs> uh, lest you lest you fuck off the big giant tentacle penis demon
2: <laughs> of the subspace of <laughs> of the of the Marianas Trench. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely interesting. I liked unknown cargo more. Um, I would say I would say. No sleep wins this fight, um,
1: yeah.
2: But but no sleep tends to win every fight, so that's fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an unfair advantage that no sleep has, being being more believable <laughs> and knowing its limitations. I believe Sin yeah. Eater came from No Sleep, Left Right game came from No Sleep. Um, yeah, to to their benefit, they they are usually the uh, the winners of all categories. Um,
0: yeah,
2: but but. Taurus Filth, I hope you had a lot of fun on this episode. It was a lot of fun talking with you and reading with you.
1: I had so much fun, mate. I thought thought you did a very good
2: job reading Thank on your you. story, so I hope everyone enjoyed listening to her because she's going to be back for another one sometime soon. You
1: better um, fucking like it, you little cunts <laughs> out there. You better fucking like how I read stories, so I'm going to be back, and I want to do more, and I want to do more voices. See, Holy she's shit. doing
2: my thing where I get real close <laughs> to the camera, and I tell everyone to fucking suck a dick if you don't like listening to this show because you can go listen to some other shit if you really want to. But anyway, um... Yeah, no, it's this, this show has always been, you know, come on, come on, join the fun. We're just reading some stupid shit while we're high off our asses. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I had fun reading our stupid shit, Taurus.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of fun, Captain. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so good, keen to do more. Good of to have
2: you on board. Now walk the fucking plank, you scurvy yeah. <laughs> <Ooh, yarrr. laughs> oh I'm I'm suddenly filled with the urge to draw your character as a pirate.
1: Yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yep,
1: yep. Someone called me a pirate with how I handle my, my van life and my park life and yeah. I can bring it on, ride ride the wild seas of life. I,
2: I had a different idea. We'll we'll see which one wins out. But is there is there any closing ideas you want to leave with our with our company of listeners?
0: Oh
1: oh, I've thought about this moment so many times, and now that it's here, I I, I don't know what to say. I it's don't know.
2: I don't have anything. <laughs>
1: Uh, be good cunts. Listen to the podcast. Buy some merch. Get up on my level. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> that is that is actually the message.
1: Yeah, and fucking keep on keeping on. Be good cunts. Be good bitches. And I'm happy to be part of the crew now. And kia ora to me,
2: <laughs> be good <Yeah>. cuts. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> my favorite. That's my favorite thing you could have ended the episode with. I'll
1: wait till the days end when the moon is high and then I'll rise. At the time with the lust for life, foul. Unless the normie, I will run it to horn and then we'll the we stand at shore. I'll wait the days and when the moon is high and then I'll rise. At the time with the lust for life, foul. Unless the normie, I will run it
0: to horn and then we'll live across the land until we stand at the shore.